The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of The Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I have Florence and Romano. We are going to be talking about finding your tribe, building your village, more specifically, which is actually the name of her book. And you guys know that I've, 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 I've pointed this out a few times where you know, we are like literally genetically programmed to be in a group because if you take a human being with, you don't really have claws, you don't run that fast, you can't see that far compared to other animals, you don't have big fangs, out there by yourself in the wild, you're done. Like it's, you're not going to live that long. So we would tribal up, we would be, become part of a village and that's how we sustain things. And that's how we would protect ourselves in the group setting, just like a bunch of muskox, you know, they, they saddle up and they protect themselves from of wolves or something right and a bear or something like that so that's so genetically programmed into us and then we look at the the blue zones and when they when they you know interviewed all these people around the world that lived the longest and they looked at the four common traits the first one was you know um lifelong friends which is exactly what we're talking about today lifelong friends is building your village um, number two respecting your el elders and that's part of the village Number three, 80% uh, plant-based diet or greater. And number four was moving your body daily. So, but the two top things for longevity and a healthy, happy life is part of having your tribe and your village. And so I was really excited and inspired to have um, Florence and Romano on today because that's what she does like all day long. She actually helps people um, find and build a community for um, everybody um, and I'm just excited to have you on. So thanks for being here. I'm so thrilled to be here. And I, I, it's funny, you're talking about the blue zones. I was just talking about that Netflix special with a friend the other day. Um, and I, so my background is Italian. And so I was saying, you know, how excited I get whenever I see some of that blue zone in Italy. And I'm like, all right, maybe that bodes well for me. <laughs> For me, I have some of that, I have that genetics in me. Um, but thank you for, you know, giving that lovely introduction and also setting it up so, so beautifully to talk about how important it is to have community and how that actually directly affects our health. Yeah, it really does. And that's why you're here. Because, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people listening in, like, we do talk a lot about health stuff. I mean, it's a health hero show, but, um, you know, we talk about other things too. But a lot of these other things always relate back to it could be emotional health, which we'll be talking about today. Very important. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff. We're going to, if those of you out there felt a little lonely through the whole COVID shebangle, then um, we're going to talk about that feeling isolation. We're also going to be talking about your children because Florence, Florence Ann was also a nanny for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So maybe before we get into, you know, uh, the gal that wrote the book, Build Your Village, why don't you tell us about like you growing up and, you know, what your life was like, were you on the standard American diet and how you became a nanny? Uh, so I, uh, 
really, I think I, I've always wanted to be involved in children's lives in some sort of way. So before I wrote this book, Build Your Village, my first book was a children's book, Nanny and Me. And it helped children understand the transition of being cared for by their parents to being cared for by a nanny or a caretaker. Because at the time, the statistic was over 64% of families in America today had a nanny or caretaker in their life. And so I looked at that and thought to myself, gosh, this is not a trend. This is part of our culture today. Other people helping us raise our children. And can you, can you repeat that statistic again? Over 64% of families in America today have a nanny or a caretaker or child care of some kind. Okay, got it. And to me, that was pretty staggering. And that that statistic also, Tim, rises in line with the employment rate. So it, again, going back to this idea of it's not really just a trend in our society. This is really part of our culture. And I was lucky enough to work with a lot of different families uh, and experience a lot of different things in this kind of bird's eye view way of, of the family dynamics that a lot of people didn't get to have. And so it taught me a lot about human beings. It taught me a lot about emotional intelligence, emotional maturity, all of these different dynamics you see when being part of a family in that way. Um, and that probably is what led me to, you know, having uh, this career in personal growth now um, because of all that experience. But, you know, going back even farther than that, like I just mentioned, I, you know, Italian background, I was raised in an old school Italian family. My grandparents lived with us growing up in a multi-generational home. So those pillars that you were talking about in those blue zones about respecting your elders and, um, uh, you know, growing up with that community, with that village, uh, that was really, truly my life. And that also gave me pause, though, as I got older, because I started to look at my friends, different family members, just the communities around me, just life in general, and seeing how it differed from mine or how it was similar to mine, how it was complementary, whatever it might be. And I realized that not everybody was born into what I was born into. Not everyone had this enormous village, this multi-generational home, all these cousins who were your first best friends having sleepovers every weekend. I did not have an idyllic childhood, but certainly there were parts of it that were. Um, and so that got me thinking about what if you're not born into it? Does that exempt you then? Are you disqualified in some way from finding your village, from finding your people and creating that for yourself? Uh, and so I kind of took the best of all of those experiences in my life, and it kind of became this manifestation of this book about building your village and how to create those archetypes of villagers in your life to support what it is that you need in terms of connection. It's interesting. And it's it's definitely something that's needed today because a lot of people feel they, they feel alone. They really mm -hmm. do. And they, they feel isolated. Mm -hmm. um, before we get into that, was there anything else in your background? Like, um, you know, when you were, when you were a nanny and stuff like that, that was, that was obviously a very important cause you were, you were seeing how important it was cause you were like becoming other part of the tribe of these other family members. Right. And they was, became like, they become like family. Yeah. They, and that's the Holy grail is you want to feel like you were an extension of that family. I always say the nanny was the eyes, ears, and heart. Uh, an extension of the eyes, ears, and heart of the parents. Uh, it, and it's a delicate line that you that you have to walk because you're not their parent. 
And you're there to be an authority figure. You're there to protect them and love them. Um, but you also have to remember your place. So I always would talk about this perfect trifecta of the parent, the nanny, and the child. And this could be applied to daycare. It's, it's a little bit different. You modify it a bit in, in that respect. But it's this trifecta that you really have to work on. And being an extension of the values of that home, and then also flipping the script and understanding that it's not just about what the family needs, but the nanny also needs to understand what he or she or they need in their life, um, because you're not going to be an appropriate uh, or respectful or successful nanny for this family if you also are not aligned. Um, so it's not just about picking the right nanny for your family. It's also about the nanny picking the right family for them. Yeah. And we're not talking about like Mrs. Doubtfire here. Like, I love Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I love that show. I love Mrs. Doubtfire. I think it's great. Help is out the <laughs> way. I mean, that was like, I felt like, like that sometimes in my life. You know, Mary Poppins, Mrs. Doubtfire, the nanny, that sitcom that ran with Fran Drescher for so long. You certainly can take things from that and apply it. And it all seems like it could be applied to real life. Um, but there, I, I always said that actually Mary Poppins, um, in terms of an archetype of nanny, uh, she was kind of tough. You know, I wasn't the, the Mary Poppins type, you know, certainly. Uh, maybe I had certain qualities, uh, you know, but I probably was a, a combination of Fran Drescher, Robin Williams, and, and uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, 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 that show was really good. And um, it, it kind of hit home with me because when I, I, I um, separated with my kid's mom mm -hmm. when they were pretty young. And so I was just like, I'm watching this movie and going, oh my God, like, like it's, it's crazy. Cause you know, then there's other, other guy comes in or the other woman, you know, and it's, it's, uh, definitely, um, uh, it, it can be tough on the emotions for, for somebody like, well, I asked you that question then Tim, you know, with separating from your children's mother so young, you know, you must have had to lean on community or childcare in some sort of way. Uh, how did, how did you, how did that affect you? in being a single father? Well, it was um, not, you know, she was working too. So it went to child daycare and it was tough. I mean, it was tough because like every morning for a while there, like my son, well, I had two kids and then they would be like screaming and crying. I don't want to go. And you're like dropping them off. You're like, oh my God. And I go, don't worry. It's going to be fine. You're just like, you know, and if you don't really know, cause there's a bunch of kids in there and it's just running around. Like, you'd have to like spend time with them and just sit in there and watch them over and over and over again until you felt comfortable. You don't really get that chance. You just drop them off and off you go and forget about it. And somebody else is doing whatever, you know? So and you're relying on trust at that point. And it's unfortunate. We've got that place in our society. I think it'd be nice to get to a place where everybody takes care of everybody. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is like the beginning of that um, because that's, that's where we need to go. It's like, you know, you see, sometimes you see these things on social media where they'll, they'll stage something where they'll put like a little boy or a little girl sitting on a park bench and next to some dude. And then some guy comes up and is like, Hey, your mom wants you to come over here. And, and the guy's like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Like, and the people stand up, you know, it's really cool. It's like, Hey, no, I, what, what's her mom's name, dude? Uh, well, Hey man, just mind your own business. Like, no, it's like, sorry. You know, and they, they stand up and it's like, we shouldn't even have to have any of that stuff going on in the first place. Everybody should be helping everybody else like kids lost you find the mom you just you mother up or you father up and you you help that child right you take care of them 
Um, so anyway, um, yeah, we- I was thinking, of, go ahead. No, I just, I was just thinking about what you said, reflecting on that, about how do we take care of each other? And I think that's really what it comes down to, you know, but you're applying it to children. And I think you could take it one step further of how, you know, how are we taking care of each other as, you know, teenagers, as adults, as you know, when you get into that, you know, later phase of life and the elderly, you know, um, everybody at some sort, uh, everyone in whatever chapter of life they need are going to need some sort of support. Um, so, and I think that's why building a village is so important and also understanding that your different phases of life, people are going to come and go, villages are going to burn down. Sometimes you burn it down yourself. Um, you know, there are a lot of different reasons the village burns down, whether it's divorce or a falling out with a friendship or, um, a death. Um, there are so many times in our lives that we are rebuilding, in whatever way. And, um, and that applies to health too. I'm sure you talk about it quite a bit in terms of physical health, you know, that we all go through those slumps or, um, and, and have to turn inward and figure out, you know, how can we make ourselves healthier kind of in that like mind, body, soul connection way. Um, so this is all connected, which I, that's why I'm so happy we're having this conversation. Cause I think people forget that, the physical, the mental, all of that, that kind of needs to be aligned in order for us to, you know, truly be thriving. Yeah, it's, it's directly connected. And I think we could probably pick up in the next segment and start talking about that, about the, 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 the physical manifestation of emotions. Yeah. Like it really does. Well, we can pick up and talk about that. So, um, man, I have, so we covered the part about you being, you being a nanny, which is awesome. Um, and, um, and then the kids in daycare. Oh yeah. That's, there was something about the kids. You're asking me about kids in daycare. Yeah. So I was dropping my kids off in childcare and that never set really, that never set good with me. Mm-hmm. I never liked it until we finally got a gal where she kind of did it out of her home. Mm-hmm. And I liked that a lot better. I liked that a lot better. Um, the other thing that blew me away was what you said. 64% of people have a nanny today and, and it's, it's unfortunate but at the same time, I think a lot of this is being driven by – because the, what's happening here, the way I'm looking at this, is the reason why 64% of people have a nanny or a care, caregiver or caretaker helping out is because there's too much burden on our lives today. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's too much stress and burden. With you know, Since the 1970s, incomes have went flat, and people have been okay with that. The American public has stopped striking and stopped protesting against things that have been unjust. They've, the these unions have been taken over top down so there's no real striking anymore and the you know elites have gotten very wealthy there's a a study when it showed out that from 1970 till i think 2004 2014 something like that over that 50 year time period 47 trillion dollars of our money the working class's money went up river because we simply stopped fighting and it was like a lot of money so well, let's put it into context that people can understand. If you're making fifty thousand dollars today in income, you should be making one hundred and twenty thousand. What would an extra seventy thousand do for you? Right. A lot. The reason why that has happened is because working class has gotten lazy, and we've we're 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 slipping back into another form of slavery. So, slavery has been going on the entire time this planet's been around. It's been the haves and the have-nots. The you know, the, the serfs and the king, you know, it's like, it's always been that slavery deal going on just in different names, different styles. 
America was the first time that we actually broke free of that. First time ever. We had you could actually talk against the government, freedom of speech, right? Congress shall not pass no act uh, impinging the uh, freedom of speech for Americans in this thing called the Constitution. And then that was great, but we had 1776. Now we have this new constitution. New, there's a new. It's like the hope of like the entire world, but it took like 13 more years to get that stuff implemented because the the British kept fighting that, fighting that they didn't want that. And so then you have that going on, and in the late 1800s, you have uh, the Industrial Revolution, and that's where it was another form of slavery. Like the women were working in these places. You could get sick and die and get hurt where you went to work. Children were in the workforce, um, urine and feces in the street, dead horses and cows in the water supply, infectious diseases are going crazy. And finally, the second 1776, Florence Ann, was pissed off women rising up, bottoms up. Like So there was actually a, seven, a second 1776 that basically got our freedom back again for the second time. And that was started by a bunch of um, upset women that wanted safe. They wanted safe streets, and they they wanted a decent wage, and they wanted to work eight hours. They were people. Four people. This is not even our history books anymore. Like four people were hung, fighting for an eight hour workday. And they, you don't hear about this stuff. Or the the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, where they used to lock the women in there to work because they were afraid that they were going to steal something. And the whole thing caught on fire, and they were locked in there. And sixteen year old girls were jumping out of the windows to their death. They were in there working, and then. And so women started getting pissed and they started fighting back. And from those upset women and men joined in too, we got our, we got our freedoms back and they got the clean, uh, clean, the water cleaned up with sanitation and they got the dead horses and, and, uh, you know, the cows and the goats out of the water supply and cleaned up the urine and the feces and, 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 and got eight hour workdays and got more wages. And, and you can see these graphs. It's really interesting. where like, everybody's wages in every industry went up with GDP after that. And then our health exploded, and by 1945, 98% of infectious diseases were gone. Like measles is an example. I've talked about this before. Like It was like 14 out of 100,000 people were getting measles at night, turn of the century, around 1900. By 1945, 98% eradicated. Wow. The, the measles vaccine hit the scene in 1963. So was it your doctor and the pharmaceutical companies that saved you from the measles? No, it was already handled by the working class women and the people that joined them from a bottoms up movement. Mm -hmm. So America was a bottoms up movement. And then the second 1776 bottoms up movement. And now we're getting robbed again. This is just another version of slavery is what we're in right now. $5 a gallon gasoline. You should be making 120,000, but you're making 50,000. And on top of it, they're taking half of what you make in taxes to pay for crazy, stupid stuff. And it's like, this is where we have to come. This We need to, we really need to build our village. And I'm talking not just here, but worldwide, but it all starts inside of ourselves and in our, in our family and our community. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back and we'll get into more good stuff about building your village with Florence Ann. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. 
What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Florence and Romano. Um, great background on you. Um, and I'm really excited about what you're doing. You're This is very key to everything that we teach is because it's like it's in the blue zones and it's like it, it's genetically programmed. I know that we have to have tribe. We have to, we can't be isolationist. We can't be. There is a time when you need to go reflect and be by yourself. But the bottom line is, is like you will wither and die. You will not have a, a good as life if you don't have a if you don't have your village. You don't have your tribe. So we were talking uh, in the first segment about the the physical manifestation of mm -hmm. poor health, boosting your immune system or lowering your immune system by your emotions by your emotions. So what happened? Let's, let's like, let's go back to COVID just cause it's kind of a more of an extreme, you know, example, but it's happening before COVID it'll happen afterwards. There's isolation out there and there's depression. And what do you, what have you seen that do to people in your work? This epidemic of loneliness, which people keep talking about is very real. It's very palpable. And during COVID, you know, people, we're able to enjoy that kind of hibernation and Netflix and yoga pants, all of that was very comfy, cozy for everybody. Um, and there, you know, there weren't the opportunities to socialize because you weren't able to do it. So you kind of had an out, you know, people who were not overly social before, gosh, that was like an, a, a very interesting break to be able to kind of retreat into that tortoise shell a little bit. And I saw this across the board. This wasn't just adults, you know, children who had a hard time socializing in school were a bit more shy. Um, they suffered quite a bit, you know, once they had to re-enter society in that way, because they didn't have to socialize for so long. They didn't have to make an effort in making friends. They weren't trying to cut their teeth on that skill of, of community and socialization. Um, you know, video games and, you know, that was the closest thing that they had to friends at that point was in that virtual way. Um, and you think about how does that affect you as a human being, not having that human connection? I am a social person. I'm a social being. I always have been. However, to your point before, I absolutely need to retreat to renew, to recharge, to do all that. And I know when I need to do that. I know when I'm like talked out too much socialization and I'll do that for myself. Um, but regarding the reconnection after COVID, what I found was two things. Not only did people kind of like newborn babies not know how to socialize anymore, they also didn't want to do it anymore. And then we open the paper one day and everyone's talking about this epidemic of loneliness and how mental health is suffering and suicide rates are going up and off. And everyone's like, well, why? Gee, why is that happening? Well, there's a big reason why that's happening. It's because after COVID, after going through that, people did not want to, did not know how to go back and reenter society. And then even beyond that, if they've accepted the point, the fact that they're having a hard time with this, the next step is actually doing something about it. And that seemed to be more difficult than all of it put together, actually wanting to fix the problem. Because again, Netflix and yoga pants, a lot more safe, a lot more comfortable than actually putting yourself out there and being rejected, failing at that, you know, attempt at connection, whatever it might be. Um, I think the second most 
like fearful thing people have in their life, you know, to public speaking, second to public speaking, that is, is probably asking for help. And this seemed to be a time where asking for help was exceedingly difficult. Yeah. We, I've seen a lot of that with um, military veterans that, you know, they call it, well, I, I just call it post-traumatic stress. Um, right. I don't really call, think it's a syndrome. I think it was a byproduct of, I actually know it was a byproduct of military training because I wrote a whole article about it at one point. Um, it wasn't about deployment, but th these guys are trained to be tough and gals too. And, you know, admitting that kind of stuff, it makes, they, they feel like they'd be kind of weak. So it's very important. They really need a tribe. Mm -hmm. That was the most important part of their healing process was to be around other people that have been what they've been through so they can share openly and not feel judged. Mm -hmm. So important. And um, thank God there's lots of groups and stuff out there like that, that are, are helping out our veterans. But what about, you know, what about the, um, what about the guy or the gal that owns a business and their business is going under because the, the, the you know, through COVID that you, nobody can come into your business. Right. Well, like, yeah. What? Like I worked my ass off for 15 years to get there, five years to get this point. I'm finally starting to get revenue in and like, I can't have customers come see me. It's crippling. I mean, it, it, I don't know. When you look back on what really happened during the, during the pandemic, and I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole, but how, what happened to our society? What happened to our economy? What happened to all? I, I don't, I actually have a really hard time understanding how we let some of the things happen that we did because it, fear. The, right. Fear, the, right, exactly. Fear. And the consequences of that will play for years and years. I mean, I was, this is something I got, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but um, the, when the CDC moved the milestones for kids um, for development, uh, I that was a signal to me that we're going the wrong way here. We were now, you know, pulling it back because of how much damage was done during COVID that now, you know, we're not going to be able to intervene with kids early enough you know, when they're not meeting certain milestones, we're, we're prolonging it, we're delaying it now. And I, and I don't understand how something like that could have been done. And I understand that there's a lot of different reasons they say behind why they did it. But I, again, I, I feel like because of COVID and I've seen it firsthand with kids today, um, where they are definitely behind because of again, the fear, the shutdown, everything that happened. And you hope you can catch them up. But, you know, again, some some things um, are permanent damage. Yeah. Have to yeah I actually, I lived for baseball when I was a kid. And I couldn't even imagine my senior year getting the whole season just canceled. Oh, gosh. Like, Every I would have been, I would have been devastated. Yeah. Like, completely devastated if I couldn't have played baseball when I was, when I was like 18. Don't 17, you 18. Ask like the authorities that be if they if they could be honest if they could be honest if it was handled the right way would they go back and would they have done it the same exact way that they did it and I I have a hard time believing if they could be honest if to take truth serum that they would have done it the way that they did it yeah I don't I, know. it really it really depends on the individual and again a lot of them are living out of fear and they're just like it's power tripping and that kind of stuff. We, and the bottom line is you were talking about implications forever. Like 
when when you put a mask on a young child, they're from birth until about 15, they're still seeding or developing their oral microbiome. Right. And, you know, you've you've irreparably harmed your child's immune system for life. I mean, period. So you've lowered it for life because of putting on a mask, disrupting the pH of the mouth, uh, increasing the acidity levels, increasing things like gingivitis and other bacterium that rotted and cracked teeth and disrupted your cardiovascular health, your neural health. It's all connected. If people forget that we're like the leg bone is connected to the foot bone. Right. And it's like there's major damage done. We haven't even talked about this. What about the isolation for children and the teen suicides and stuff? Exactly. I mean, and that's, we haven't even scratched the surface of that, truthfully. Uh, and I, we had mentioned before we started ch chatting that I'm on the board at Lurie Children's Hospital here in Chicago. Um, and one of the things that we're concentrating on this year is a, a real emphasis on mental health and mental health support, um, especially in pediatrics. And it, it's, it's incredible to me, actually, um, how much uh, spe specificity goes into uh, making sure that we're supporting children at that age in, in the way that they need to be. So I'm gonna give you an example. There uh, at Lori Children's Hospital, there is a part of the emergency room called pod four, and they have beds that are specifically there for children, young adults that come in or having um, mental health issues. Because if you think about it this way, you have people that go to the emergency room and they have a broken leg or something like that. Their condition with that broken leg or broken, broken arm, this is how it was explained to me, uh, is not going to necessarily worsen a ton while they're in there waiting to be treated. But someone that's coming in who is having suicidal thoughts or on the, you know, or, or deteriorating mentally, they're going to continue to get worse and worse and worse as the minutes go on there in, in that emergency room. And the worst thing that can happen is be surrounded by other people who are screaming in pain or, you know, uh, you know, being very vocal or crying. Well, Somebody just died. Stressful situations, all that. And so we've created this separate part of the emergency room where those patients go. So they're in an environment that is actually going to help them heal or, you know, before they can get the, the medical intervention that they need. So that's a long way of saying, you know, as we look at mental health, emotional health, physical health, all of those things, it is not a one fits all situation, you know, fits all situation. It is customized in every way. And this idea of mental health and how it's affecting our children today, it's worse than it's ever been. And we have to peel back the onion and ask, why is it worse than it's ever been? And it's happening to so many different age groups. I can't even tell you, Tim. It's not even just millennials. It's not just Gen Zers that are telling you that they're lonelier than ever. I'm talking to empty nesters that are saying they don't know what to do. And I'm talking to you know elderly people who are in retirement homes and they're having a hard time even socializing in a community like that. So, I, I mean, I'm just kind of trying to paint a picture for everyone of no one is exempt from this work of trying to figure out how to connect in ways that are going to fill you up. And it is not about a quantity situation. It's a quality situation that, that, you know, should be applied. So I went down the rabbit hole a little bit there and I promised myself I wouldn't, but uh, it, it, we have to look at all these factors in order to solve the problem. Going back to what you were saying, 
you know, this might seem micro, maybe what we're talking about in this village building, but it, it literally affects everything else in our lives and showing up for people, how we take care of each other. That's all part of this conversation. That's how you create a seismic shift. Well, it's not just one thing. There's, it's multifaceted. And this is where, you know, the genius is on the other side of somebody that wants power, profits, and control. Let's put this kind of stuff together. Number one, like you brought up, that was really cool that there's that hospital and they have a little separate, quiet, chill area for people with mental health. That yeah. makes total sense. Right. Unfortunately, you know, I just talked to a nurse last week and she said that a suicidal gal came in, they pumped her stomach um, again, trying to kill herself. And, you know, she had, she sat down with her for an hour and a half, like an hour and a half talking to her, just loving on her, consoling her. She don't got nobody. And she was kind of estranged from her mother and had a really rough relationship with her mom. And that was like where a lot of her grief came from and why she was doing what she was doing, living the life that she led. And as soon as the nurse came out of the room, the manager nurse came up to her and said, you cannot spend that many much time with the patients, period. Like mm -hmm. that is not your job. And she's like, uh, there's like nothing to do. Like uh, besides the fact that even if there was busy, which they weren't busy, she's like, I'm just trying to make extra hours for myself now, cleaning this, doing that. Just it's like the hours would be getting cut and cut and cut. And so like they can't even love the nurses can't even love on them or they're getting in trouble on top of like, let alone not even having a place. So it's like, yep, pump out her stomach and put her back on the street. She's going to go find some more drugs and kill herself. Right. I mean, that's not, that's not part of a tribe. That's very cold. And it's yeah. coming from above because right. that, that manager is getting like you tell these nurses they get 15 minutes and out or something like that. You know, I don't know what the exact thing is, but about money, and, right? More patients, right? More money. More yeah. Patients. Yeah. And it's whatever. And they just, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. So I think we need to get back to, you know, family and tribe and community. That's it's, it's so important. So why don't we do this? We'll take another break. We'll come back. And then we'll talk about more about like this multifaceted, uh, multi-pronged problem and the different things that we see. And then we'll talk about some of the solutions. We'll be right back. We're going to get down early. <laughs> We're just cranking right through. Okay, here we go. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Florence and Romano. We're talking about building your tribe, build your village. It's very important. It's important to have a village. It's important to have people that you love, that you know and you trust. And I would really love to see it to a point, hopefully sometime in my lifetime, where I'll be able to walk down the street and um, I could talk to anybody and say, you know, I'm a little down today. And they like, come here, let me give you a hug. And a full-grown man could just give me a hug and give me a little energy and love or help me out. That's, that, that's you know, I think that's that's really in us. It's just, it's kind of a natural, true thing, but it's been, we've been distracted, right? So we talked about this multi-pronged approach that's probably been used against us, whatever, however you want to look at it. But, you know, mom and dad have to go out into the workplace just to make ends meet. Well, that's one right there. If, if two, if both family members have to work, then somebody else is raising your kids. You're detached from your kids. Um, you're stressed out in work. Maybe you have to have a second or third job to make it, especially for the single parents. Jeez. Whew. 
You know, I know there's a lot of stress for young, young adults, um, just trying to get out of mom and dad's house. They can't do it or where they're starting out. Right. So they're having to get three, four, five of them together and they get a house and, you know, kind of like a college fraternity house and, uh, might not be the best place to, depends on the people. Right. So it's, it's, there's a lot of financial pressure. There's still all the social pressure to, you know, you got to get married, you got to have kids and have this American dream and do all these things. And then you've got the huge amount of deficiencies um, from the lack of nutrition, which is directly affecting the brain and the emotions. You have toxic chemicals that people are completely polluted. I talk about this all the time. It's, it's kind of shocking, Florence. And if you type in umbilical cord chemical into mm -hmm. your browser, umbilical cord chemical and go back to you'll see studies going back to 2005 that basically show every single young woman and child they go into the umbilical cord blood and look for 400 chemicals they find 71 percent of what they're looking for 250 chemicals and 180 of those cause cancer in humans 212 cause developmental uh disease and issues in the brain this is directly linked to isolation and fear and all this kind of stuff right and not being able to connect and feeling weird and then there's heavy metal poisoning, right? All the, almost fish today has got heavy metals in it and drinking out of aluminum cans leading to Alzheimer's dementia, aluminum cookware. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on that a lot of people aren't thinking about. There's adjuvants, certain types of aluminum in vaccines today, in the jabs. And all those heavy metals go into the brain and then you're getting zapped by 3G, 4G, 5G, smart meters, you know, a microwaves, um, which are same as a microwave and you're getting zapped. And this is where I think a lot of the autism is coming from, right? Because they're overstimulated. That's metals like vibrating in their head, these micro particles in their brain. Like, and it's like, we have all this stuff going on and there's stress. We just talk about it. it's, it's stress pollution. And then this, this the busy lifestyle. Like, so there's all this shit happening all at once. And this is why it's happening. And there's one solution. It's nature in, in the village. Well, it's funny you mentioned autism. Uh, my brother, Michael, uh, has autism. He's 17 months younger than I am. And my mom's theory uh, about autism has always been that it's in plastic. She thinks it's environmental. Um, and uh, I, I I think there's, there's actually interesting data uh, behind that as well, that it's going back to this idea of environmentally, what are we ingesting? What are we exposing ourselves to? You know, if you look, you know, years ago, you know, about, you know, people didn't really know what autism was and not to make this about autism, um, but it's certainly more prevalent now. It's certain that the statistics are going up and up. And that's why we have to look at our environment to wonder what perhaps is causing that. Um, and so I just wanted to mention, mention that to you, your, your theory about the aluminum. And, and I, I, I really do believe, and, and I agree with my mom too, that we have to look at kind of how things are manufactured today and, you know, how that's affecting, like, again, what we, what we ingest. Um, and well, it's, 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 it's so common sense that people aren't even talking about it. I mean, I talk about it all the time, but it's like if you take somebody that lives in house A versus somebody that lives in house B and house A has, you know, completely chemical free, sustainable building products from nature. It's all wood and stone and that kind of stuff. No chemicals versus one over here that's built with, you know, modern day, even they could call it lead certified, you know, green BS. It's full of toxic chemicals. It's 50 to 100 times more toxic than downtown L.A. 
So right. if we are breathing in 100 gallons of air an hour, which we do as an adult, wouldn't it make sense that the person like that's in the polluted home is going to be not as healthy as the one that's in the natural air and nature? Of course, it's, it's common sense. Or if you have – it's like – but then another analogy would be like, like if a fish is sick, you don't like take the fish out and give it chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. You change its water. Mm-hmm. What's in the water that's hurting the fish? This actually happened in the 70s in the Great Lakes. Fish started rolling up on the banks and dying. And then the birds were eating these fish. And then they were having very thin eggs and they were having very terrible hatches. And the birds were dying too because we're all connected. Everything on this planet's connected. Us, the birds, the lake, the fish, everything. Everything's connected. And again, would you have thought in a million years, they're like, oh, what's going on with these fish? Let's set up little gurneys and then we'll start pumping them full of synthetic chemicals. Call it a drug or whatever. No, like, God, there must be something in the water that's hurting the fish that's then going to the birds and so on and so forth. That's in the ecosystem. It's in our environment. Right. That's what it was. And it was probably something that man did. Mm-hmm. Something right. got dumped in there or been dumping there and finally reached uh, parts per million that finally caused a problem. And they're finding all kinds of stuff. Like animals are just as polluted as us now. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to like downtown somewhere and you're eating outside and you see a blackbird or something go by and it's got cancer on its feet or its neck. And you're seeing, I, I'm seeing this stuff. I see it everywhere. I see bees dying. I see all this stuff. So anyway, maybe you can comment on that. Well, I, you mentioned the bees. It's so funny. My mom's, I have, a, I have a big garden in the front of my house. And my mom was talking about the bees. I was like, oh my gosh, I have so many bees. She goes, that's good. She was like, you, we need the bees. She was like, don't, don't do anything to the bees. I was like, I wasn't going to do anything to the bees. I was like, I was just mentioning that there were a lot. She's like, we need them. She goes, if we don't have bees, that's it. That's the, the end of civilization as we know it. I'm like, wait, what? And so she was like starting to like, you know, talk about that. Um, but I, I really I, like your mom. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think, yeah, mom would be a great guest, a great guest for you. She loves, she loves, you know, talking about the environment and kind of the circle of life concept. Um, and, uh, but I agree with you about everything you're discussing in terms of the environment and seeing how it's affecting everything in nature, everything in humanity. And you're right. We're not paying enough attention to the data and it's right in front of us in terms of, you know, why is this happening? I think we're, we're trying to, you know, make a a square peg fit into a round hole in a lot of ways. Why are we trying to reinvent the wheel, making things harder than it should when really, you know, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of the reasons things are happening are in front of us and the solution for those things are, that's the challenge. That's what I'll say to you. The, cha- the solution for what is causing the problems, that is the issue. That is the hurdle because it's politics, it's money, it's all these different things that are probably prohibiting those things from being rectified. At least that's my theory in it. You know, well, for- a lot of it's, again, fear-based and people have been outsourcing their thinking. That's the problem. Like, I, You have to think for yourself. And people are not trusting their intuition. They're outsourcing. Oh, I've got this problem. I'm going to go to the doctor. And you know the doctor for 10 minutes. They're like, oh, we have to do this. We have to do that. We got to get you into surgery, blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay. And you just right into it. And 60% of surgeries are unnecessary. Like there's some statistics for you, but just running into this, we have to learn how to think for ourselves and tap into our own instincts, again, our own intuition 
And it's like, and then you lead from your heart. Right. Get out of your brain because the brain's going to distract you because they're your prefrontal cortex, my friends, is getting hijacked by by the news media and a lot of these so-called professionals that you're going to see. Again, I've, I've started talking about this more, but if, if you go to somebody to help you with your health and they don't talk to you about your environment, the air you breathe, the water you drink, the food you eat, the people in your house, in your life, how that's going, your relationships, if they don't talk to you about these types of things, your clothing, your shampoos, your soaps, everything coming into contact into your life and your body and your mind and your soul, you don't really have a healthcare professional. You've got somebody that's basically a drug dealer. I mean, that's what you have. If you walk out of there with a synthetic drug that was derived from something in nature, most, most of it, almost all of it, from a rock or a, a bark or a leaf or a plant or a fruit or a seed, but then they isolate it so they can patent it. You know, they said you can't patent nature. That's why you don't get nature when you go to these places because you can't patent. There's no money in it, right? right. So what we do, like what we do is we we just go out and take nature and round it up and put it into little capsules and powders for people and we ship it to them. That's what we've been doing. Um, I didn't think I was going to do into that because I thought I, I was going to heal myself completely all natural with food and stuff. But from the degradation of the soils and stuff today and all the amounts of pollution, I realized that detoxification and supplementation tools are a necessity today just to be back to normal, just to even the scales out because of the polluted, cor just corrupted, deficient world we live in. All right. So let's talk about, the solutions. So what do you see as the solutions? What are those first steps that people can take to build their village? I always talk about philanthropy actually being the first way. Um, you know, people often don't know the first step to take and, you know, how do I meet the right people? And you got to think about what makes your heart beat, what makes your heart flutter, as I always say, and start looking for things in your community that align with your values and, you know, join a, a philanthropic group of some kind, whether it's a food bank or you're volunteering um, at, you know, a, a retirement home or something like that. Mm. Think about what, is going to bring you joy and and you're probably going to meet people that are aligned in terms of your values in terms of your passions and that's going to start to grow your vision village it is a great first step that is going to you know kind of two birds with one stone you you're you're going to be able to do something that is going to help you connect and you're also going to do something to give back so you know this idea we keep talking about taking care of each other it'd be great if you can you know you know make those moves for yourself for connection but also do something to put some good in the world yeah i really like that i really like and i really want to shine the light on that because a lot of times people think philanthropy you have to be a billionaire giving just giving away money for a tax write-off like to some whatever charity but if you're giving away love your time your presence you know there isn't the best I always say the best present is your presence. If you really love somebody, just be there and actually look them in the eye and listen to them and really understand them and feel for them. And that, that's what people want. So I've talked about this many times in my inner circle calls uh, that we lead on Wednesdays, which is um, if you're in a tough spot, if you're feeling depressed and lonely and anxious, that kind of stuff, go help somebody else. Go help right. an old lady across the street, shovel her walk, go help somebody at the groceries, join the food bank, uh, volunteer. Just when you give with no outlook on return of money, it's like, it's the best feeling ever. It like literally starts healing you because you create those vibrational frequencies that manifest good chemistry in your body. Like, like literally it's medicine. You're giving yourself medicine. It's like a, that's the best vaccine you can get. 
It is when you, when you feel bad or you feel down or a little sad someday, you know, do something for someone else. I agree. I mean, it, 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 it does. It's a, it's a drug, like nothing else. It's a high, like nothing else, you know? And, and then, you know, there's the other side of the coin. People are like, oh, well, if you feel good after you do it, or, you know, you're proud of yourself, then it, you know, devalues it. And I'm like, well, that's, that's stupid. I, I you know, you're not supposed to feel good about a good deed that you do or. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. You know, so I feel like a lot of people have a lot of opinions, first of all, but, you know, second of all, I, they're I, not happy. Those I, people aren't happy saying all that crap. Exactly. They always find something critical, something wrong with it, whatever it might be. But going back to this idea of helping people, you know, for me, you know, at least with the village building, um, a lot of it, you know, a lot of our world today is selfish. A lot of it is me, me, me. And what do I need? What do I want? And I want us to think about what we need. What do I want? What are my boundaries? All of that. Yes, of course, that work is important. But we cannot forget that we also have to wonder about how do we show up for other people? So this concept of village is, yes, who am I? In my book, I talk about the six villagers. Who am I of these six people to other people? And who do I need of these six people in mind? It is a circle. I'm not asking for people just to read this book and think, okay, this is what I need. Go out and get it because I'm the most important part of this equation. No, I'm talking about the work that needs to be done it within you that is not just going to feed you, but also feed others. So the visual here is don't go around if you don't have a tribe with a vacuum turned on high, trying to suck energy out of people as you walk around. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're you're going out and you're trying you're 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 creating value. That's what it boils down to. You're 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 valuing yourself. You're loving yourself, and then you take that out into the world and you give and and you volunteer and you donate and you help people and you just do good things. You make people's problems go away and you give, and it'll always come back. And it'll come back multi. I mean, it's like five x, ten x, twenty x when you do that kind of stuff. Understanding too that we do not give in order to have a debt, someone has a debt to you in that way. I think that's oftentimes why people don't want to ask for help is because they're afraid, well, when am I ever going to pay that person back? You can't be mm -hmm. score. That's not what this is about either. Now there's a big difference between keeping score and being a doormat. There's a big difference between keeping score and letting people walk all over you, take advantage of you. But I think we also have to remember that it, 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 it can't be always about how equal it is how transactional yeah. it is yeah you can feel that and the you know the root of give gift right when you give a gift you don't like give a gift to somebody and like well i want it back right yeah right so i i'm gonna take that back you just you give a gift and you walk away you let them they they do whatever they want they throw it in the garbage can you should be just as happy as if they use it and they put it on their mantle or it's the most cherished thing they use every day in their life it doesn't matter but you gave that gift and so you opened up your heart and that's, that's all you can do, whether they're ready to receive it or not. Um, God, I was just, I had another thought. You were, we were talking about giving, you were talking about not getting stepped on and being a doormat, but it was before that. It was that, okay. it's that energy. What's that? Keeping score. Yeah. Keeping score. I had a really important point on that, that I wanted to talk about. It's like giving, Without expectation. Yeah. I can't remember the exact what I was going to say, but yeah, giving without expectations, you know, wanting 
Oh, doing it to yeah, doing it to get something back in return. Mm-hmm. Like it shouldn't be done that. It should be just, you know, just giving to give. Right. It shouldn't be transactional in that way where it's okay, you do this for me, I do this for you, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I mean, certainly you want to be in relationships that are reciprocal, but that's also an important piece of relationships is understanding that sometimes one person is going to need more of the attention and more of the love and more of the support than you are. And that's just the way life is. It ebbs and flows, that scale goes up and down. Um, But, you know, expecting that, you you know, I don't know, I I guess the best way to say it is, you know, you don't want to be in a friendship or be in a relationship of whatever kind that is and think, okay, that, you know, the time's almost up on how long I get to actually be the one that's being taken care of. Uh, Again, there's. Oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. Okay, good. What was it? It's allowing other people to help you. Allowing this, other- is, this is so important. Like I, I see this a lot. I've seen it in my family where they will help everybody else, but they feel super guilty about doing it. And I want to reframe this for people that feel this way, because the reality is if you obviously you're an awesome person because you want to give, give, give and help people, but not allowing somebody to give to you is you're robbing them from one of the best vibrational frequencies they could ever experience in their life. Right. Like not allowing somebody to give a gift to you. Not allowing somebody to, you know, mop your floor because you're you're bedridden. Like, and I'll do it myself. And you get up and you're in pain, and then and then you really hurt yourself and you fall down again because you were. I had some people coming over and I had to clean the floor, you know. And it's like now my rib hurts because you know I didn't rest. It's like why? Well, I would have done that for you. Why don't you just ask me? Oh no, I don't want to be a burden. Right. Well, now you're actually more of a burden because you can't move. Right. You're more hurt. Yeah. Now you're more injured. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and stuff like that. So for those of you that are having a hard time ever letting somebody help you, just let them do it. Like stop stealing that that f- amazing feeling of being able to give a gift to somebody. And again, it could be them just coming over and hanging out and spending time with you. It could be them cleaning up your floor. It could be them doing your books for you. It could be them, you know, people, when older people get older, they can't see or write very easily. Their hands shake and, you know, it's just stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with somebody doing something for you. I mean, don't you feel good when you do something for other people? Absolutely. It's the best feeling on the earth. So why would you rob that feeling from somebody else? Stop being so selfish. Don't be a selfish person. And then you maybe want to look in the mirror and ask yourself, why are you helping those other people? Are you doing it for your own selfish reasons to feed your own insecurities? Like who knows? That's for you to, that's, yeah, that's for you to figure out. All right. Well, Florence Ann, thank you so much for coming on. Um, let's where do, where's the best people for uh or for them to find you? Where where do you want them to go? Go to my website, florenceann.com. My book is there, anywhere books are sold as well. And then I'm also all over social media. I answer every DM, Florence Ann Romano. So feel free to reach out if you're feeling lonely, need a virtual village. I'm here to help. I'm DNMing you 20 times a day. <laughs> Tim, you've got it figured out. You don't even need me. <laughs> I need a village and you're part of it. We all are. Everybody listening here, we're all connected. Don't forget that, guys. There's no separation between us, only the separation that you, you know, all the BS stories that we've been told by society and parents and all this other stuff and the crap that we've put in between our ears that shouldn't be there. Like we're all connected. So yeah, go to our site, Florence Ann, F-L-O-R-E-N-C-E-A-N-N.com. And she has a book called Build Your Village. 
And it is a guide to finding joy and community in every single stage of life. From young little kid up to an elderly person doing yoga when they're 114 and running uh, 45 miles in the middle of the night. How about that? Actually, I, I, I knew a guy, I read a book about him who was a yogi. And um, just to talk a little bit about health and what's human potential. And he was in his 80s and he'd been uh, working, teaching yoga for six days a week for uh, 60 years or something like that. One day a week, he was also a doctor. And he would go into go from the village and he'd go into town and he'd see two to 400 patients a day. And he would work from like early in the morning until very late at night. And they loved going to him because it was like a party. It was almost like a festival. Imagine compared to the hospital stuff we were talking about yeah. where it's like they have to have a separate room because it's scary. And ah, people were, it was like a, a, a freaking event. It was like going and seeing Pavarotti or something like or a comedian. And he told a, a different joke to every single person. So he had like hundreds of jokes. And um, so one day he gets to the, to the train station and um, the train's busted. He's got to get there. He's got two, three, four hundred people waiting for him. He has two handlers with him. He says, here's my luggage. He jumps on the train tracks. He takes off running. And the dude runs like, this was like at seven at night or something. And he just takes off running. And uh, he got there like 44 miles later. And he's in his 80s. And he ran 40 some miles. And he doesn't train for this. But he just ran. He got there at four in the morning. Saw patients all day. And somewhere in the afternoon, the two handlers that got the train fixed or something, they show up. And then they started telling people, like, no, you don't understand. Like, he ran here to see you guys. Like, we waited. We were like, what's he doing? He just took off. We're like, they didn't even know what to do. And the guy's in his 80s. So if that doesn't get you excited about human potential, that's a true story. Um, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, what are we doing? So do you think that guy has any anxiety or depression? Right. That guy's got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, and he's part. He he's he's part of a village, and so everybody. You don't have to be some guru that's helping healing people and teaching yoga, but just follow your excitement, follow your joy, whatever it is that excites you the most. It's a very needed part of the village. Don't discount yourself. You are very valuable. Creation doesn't make mistakes; otherwise, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> I mean, think about it. you're gonna. Oh, I'm here, but you know, God must have messed up. You know, whatever that is to you. You know, it's like. Mm, don't think so. I don't think so. You're just here to exp you're here for a reason. So is your reason to have pain and suffering? Well, that's a choice. And you can also have joy and love and connection and you can have that too. So sometimes we just get a little bit clouded and we need a little help and we need a helping hand. And, and, um, again, if anybody ever needs any help, I'm always happy to talk to people too. So you can DM Florence and on, 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 is it, was it Instagram or all, you said all social media? Facebook, anything you want. Facebook, all that. So you can always reach out to us, send us uh, an email to support, no pun intended, at chemicalfreebody.com. That's support at chemicalfreebody.com. Uh, customer service helpers and myself, um, you know, we're not there just to answer questions about how to take gut detox or, you know, talk about whatever else on products and, and our services. But we, sometimes we help people like that. And uh, I still get, you know, a few of those every month for suicide calls and stuff. I'll take those. I don't mind spending extra time with those people at all. It's uh, they're part of the tribe and we're all connected. So Florence and thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. And I want to also thank all the listeners around the world for tuning in. You guys, uh, without you, I wouldn't be here. Um, I'd just be blowing a bunch of hot air out into nowhere. Um, so I, at least I'm glad somebody's out there listening. 
I hope that you got something out of this show today that you can, that resonates with you, that you're going to take action on and make that change in your life because it's going to start on the inside and work out, but you have to take action. That's the key thing. And that's what I hope that you'll do. Um, if this resonated with you, you think it could help um, another person, friend or family member in your life, go ahead and share the episode with them. That would be really helpful for them. And it also helps us to get the message out to more folks as we grow organically. So until next time, change yourself, change your world, and I'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>